Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division Three coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. So please contribute to the show as much as you can. Our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football, and this is really for you to be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan, something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash FDM. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a guy across the pond, Richie Gray, who has worked with us at USA Football to come up with the five fights tackling system and continues to do a lot of different things within what he's doing at his company, GSI. Richie, it's great to talk to you here today on the podcast. Uh, great to, to speak to you again, Keith. Obviously, we've we've spoken many times uh, before, but I'm looking forward to our discussion, which I think could take a number of different sort of avenues. I think we can talk tackling, we can talk coaching methodology, we can talk equipment, we can talk analytics. This could go anywhere, so I'm looking yeah. forward to having a chat with you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I think the place I'd like to start is on the topic of, of drills. And I've, I've heard a number of coaches talk about this, different position coaches from quarterbacks to linemen to defensive players on you know all these drills that you could see or these drill books. You know, got to put a, a drill book out with like 800 drills and and you know we're we can we're we're drill rich, right? But yeah. are, are we performance poor because of it? You know, I, I had I told you I had the opportunity to go out to L.A. this past year and watch the guys at Quarterback Collective, all these NFL coaches talk, and it was it was a talk Mike Lafleur was giving as he's introducing these drills to these kids, and he writes five drills down on the board, and he said, "Here's the five drills we use." That's it. Yeah. This, this is all yeah. we do yep. all year long. Now he has variations of those drills, and those, those drills have some <laughs> dynamics to them. So I don't want to oversimplify it. Yet at the same time, I see all these things showing up on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. And I, I wonder, can you show me where that happens in the game? Can you show me yeah. how this is going to help your player perform better on game day? Because ultimately we practice you know not for activity we practice that so that on game day we're going to execute at a high level and that's something 
you know, for you and all the different sports you've been involved with, whether it's been rugby or football or any of the, the tackling sports, you've seen it time and time again, and you've helped a lot of people. You've consulted in that manner. And, and for you, yeah. it was, you know, I know we've shared your story here before. It was a, a year stepping back and just focusing on the tackle and seeing what you need to do there. But now you can, yeah. you've, you've been able to really globally expand that to all parts of the game with a better understanding of this is how we develop players. I always go back to the old quote that I was told many, many years ago by a South African coach called Heine Kamea. Uh, and I still use this a lot. It's not my quote, it was his. Uh, and he said, the coach that knows why will always be ahead of the coach that knows how. And it's, it's, it's one of the most simple quotes I've ever heard, but it just about sums up coaching. Through different periods in your life as a coach, I'm now 49 years old. I've been coaching professionally for 25 years this year, my 25th year. And I was playing and coaching for that first sort of five or six years. And then I was into coaching after that full time. Always been professional, professional coaching. So that's a different world again. So when, when I was a young coach, I had a drill book that must have had 200 drills in it because you wanted every single drill you could find, you know, because you thought you were maybe missing out on something, you know. What's Keith Grabowski doing? Uh, what's that coach doing? You know, what are they what are they coaching at the Patriots? What's Bill Belichick doing? You know, what what's what's Vance Joseph doing down in Miami and then he was up in Denver and you know, what are these guys doing? So you you ended up going to coaching courses, we all went to them. You actually didn't listen to the presenter. You just you took down as much drills and info as you could. And I bet we've all done it, right? And then there comes a time where, especially when I was in the professional world, where time becomes a massive challenge. How much time have you got? And then you've got to think to yourself, right, those 20 things that, I, that I've always thought are the 20 things that are the most important, I've maybe only got four and a half to five minutes in an indie time, to drill it down to the three most important. So that's where it became even more of a challenge, and that's a real coaching challenge. The coaching challenge is you can have this huge book of knowledge and this huge book and film tape of drills, but actually what is going to make the biggest effect on your player? What are the key points that that player needs and remember, all players are different. Mm -hmm. I spoke to a young linebacker only about three nights ago who is playing at a good level in the US. And it was just great to watch his 45, 50 tackles that he'd made last year. Complete blank canvas. And you pretty much build up a picture of his movement, his shape, how he moves across the grass where his body shape is. You can start to tell about his mentality. So there's so much more goes into how you coach a player, another human being. I heard a great quote recently. I don't coach players. I coach people, you know? Yeah. And that's another cracker. It was from an American college coach, I think, that said that. I don't coach players. I coach people. So you have to understand the person as well. There's so much more than just laying out five cones, holding a shield and saying, right, go for it. Because a lot of those times, it's more for the coach than it is for the player. The coach walks away thinking, well, you know, there was, there was sweat there, there was communication, there was action, you know. 
fantastic. What a great session that was. And then when you go back and look at the drill tape, you think that that was poor. Technique wasn't great. I didn't say the right things. I didn't coach the right things. And then it's all over. And it's five minutes that you'll not get back. So you've actually let the player down. So I think a lot of it comes through experience. A lot of it comes through knowledge. But to come back to the how and the why, you must know why you're doing something. I've got this player in front of me. Why am I coaching him the way I'm coaching him? Why am I doing this drill? Is it going to relate to the game? Is it going to relate to players that he's going to have to defend against? How does that running back run? Is he a power runner? You know, is he is he coming down the middle? Is he a stepper? Is he a low run? Is he a high run? Is he is he got real power in that last step? Everything knocks on to how and the why of what you're doing with that player. It's as simple as that. So I think there's a huge amount of work to be done here because I still see it, sadly. And we've all done it, so don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here, the font oh, of all right. knowledge. We've all been through this, right? So just so happens that you've come out the other side now. And and you mentioned it, Keith. I was very lucky that I kind of was, was out of the sport for pretty much a year. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to completely go through every single skill, drill, technique, everything that I've got, and I'm going to look at collision. That's what I'm going to look at, especially the tackle. And I'm going to rip it to bits, and I'm going to build it back up again. And that's why I came about the whole five fights system and framework. That's where it all came from, because I usually, as a coach, coach the track, I coach the connect. They were the two big things, you know, that track and that connect. But there's so much more to it than that. And it wasn't until I genuinely had about a year's worth of time to sit and, and trawl through thousands of clips of all different players and pretty much reboot myself as a coach and rebuild everything that I felt was important. And I threw all the other things. I never burnt them, but they were all, they're always in a file there that I can go back to. But I took out the, the absolute diamond principles and that's where I changed again and to be honest Keith it's funny I'm actually doing the same at the moment because we're all in a very challenging time in our lives sure. families across the planet we're all living in the same way at the moment so I've thought right you know what this is a time where I'm going to go through my 40 or 50 hard drives that I've collected over the last 10-15 years and I'm, I've literally this morning ordered a brand new I think it's got about 20 terabytes on it <laughs> this thing's huge and I'm, I'm literally going to sift through every single thing that I've done and I'm going to catalogue them all and I'm going to go through the same process as I went through about 12-13 years ago and I'm going to put back down to what's the most important and the funny thing is I can just about tell you what they're going to be already because they'll be the most simple things but it's good to go through the process again yeah yeah, that, that's interesting. And, it, you know, I told you this before. When I look at what you've done with the five fights is, is something that and maybe the, the words won't always necessarily be the same as what they are, but the way you've, you've broken down what happens in any particular play, 
applies to other things. I told you I took it and I applied it to blocking, right? Yep. And everything that's going to happen on the line of scrimmage or in space for the block. So it's coaching systems, what you put together. It's something that struck me as, as you talked about this and kind of linking together that whole idea of you coach people and then finding, like you said, going through those 40 hard drives you have <laughs> and, and finding the simple things, though, how, my question comes to how do you develop the, the most effective coaching cues? Because, you know, that information delivered poorly yeah. that frustrates a player or doesn't the understanding or the bits of knowledge he's going to need to adjust and do things right, that becomes frustrating. And as a coach maybe is not in tune with those. He might think he's got good coaching cues and says them over and over again. You'll hear a coach, and I've done it before when I was yep. younger, like, oh, well, I've told him a hundred times. Well, apparently he's not getting it. And, and you end up in a, a situation now that done poorly and not regard to, again, how each of those individuals learn can start to fracture the culture that you have, that this guy who, yep. you know, maybe he, he started out all gung-ho, and, and now you know his buy-in is dwindling because he's not getting yep. it, because he's frustrated. So I think the, I'd love to hear your thoughts on developing effective coaching cues and how you go about mm-hmm. that as you, you go through and look at everything. And you know I know a lot of coaches doing what you're doing right now, evaluating what you've done and trying to figure yep. out where you go next. Okay, so, so it's a great question, Keith. And I think I changed... I would say 20, I'm trying to think when it would be, maybe about 10, 11 years ago. In 2013, 2014, trying to get my dates right, I worked with a sports psychologist called Peter Creer. Excellent person, uh, South African, uh, has worked all over the world. And he told me a thing about SMM, shared mental model. Now, this, this obviously was new to me. It might be new to a number of coaches that are listening to this, but a shared mental model was pretty much developed for special forces, for more combat zones, where the whole mission would be based on six or eight words. So there were key words that the mission would be based on. So the, the, the words could be simple things like ice could mean something. Focus could mean something. Bullet could mean something. You know. So what I tried to do was go away and try and create the best word that summed up that area. So it, it could have been, for example, getting up off the ground quickly, mm-hmm. which is a big thing in my sport, in rugby union, getting up off the ground. You don't want to be on the grass. You've got to be off the grass. So we created, we played around with words, fire, as in because it's hot, so you're trying to get up off the ground. But actually the best one we came to was bounce, because bounce has just got a great, it's got a great ring to it. Bounce, boom. If you see a ball bounce on the ground, what's the first thing it does once it hits the ground? It's back, right back up in the up. air again. So bounce and spent hours coming up with words that, especially when a player's fatigued, will absolutely just kick in and it's, it's just, it becomes an action. So that's the first thing. You have a whole vocabulary of words that relate to what you coach. Now, tackling's great for it, you know? There's, there's so many words that relate and, and can be developed around the whole area of tackle, that whole connection area. You know, the, the punch, the, the, the hit, the target, the, the hammer. There's a number of words you can use 
that that bring around a real thought process in the player. But the second one, and this was key, is if it didn't then have a a meaning for the player, maybe personally or for the team, then the word didn't really gain as much traction. So that's where culture comes in. And I talk about tackle culture. I talk about having a collision culture, uh, a contact culture. So the words have got to fit into the culture. So, for example, in South Africa, when I worked there for three or four years, a huge amount of the words related to the big five, which was the five main animals that mean so much to the, the South African hunter, the, the leopard, you had the, you know, the lion. The t- so there was, there was words related to those animals and the traits of those animals that we used within the game. Now you're thinking, man, this guy's absolutely crazy, you know, but it works because for those South African players, they just can completely relate to that because they come from a, a farm hunting type mentality, the big five in the bush, that sort of thing. I'm at Montpellier at the moment and we've done similar things with Montpellier. We've taken animals that are historically linked to that area also, there's a huge gladiatorial Roman feel to that area. The Romans have got, in Nîmes, you've got one of the, the most outstanding amphitheatres that's been pretty much preserved. Within that amphitheatre, gladiators used to fight. Gladiators had different fighting styles. They used different weapons. So you can then relate everything back to the culture and the area that the player comes from or the team's associated to. It doesn't even need to be the player. Sometimes it's, this is where our team's from. This is what we mean. This is what we stand for. These are the historical things that have happened in our area. And it then just makes a bit more sense than just a word. So shared mental model, key words that relate to key techniques within the actual uh, tackle technique, for example, then there's got to be a link into the culture of where you are and what you're all about, you know? And that could be anything, Keith. It could be it could be Hollywood movies. It could be anything to do. It could be world championship boxers, you know? It could be a Hearns move. It could be a Hagler move. It could be a, a Sugar Ray move. It could anything that relates and just stays in the mind, especially when you're fatigued. And it's the last five seconds of the final quarter and you've got to stop the run, end off. So that's it. Everything's built towards the absolute pinnacle of when you're going to need it the most. I'm glad you brought that up. My thought was as you're, as you're building that mental model, that shared mental model, and you're looking for those words that are going to be the most impactful, that are going to... You know, that when that guy's fatigued and the game's on the line, it's fourth and one, you know, and you got to stop him or, you know. And, and do, Keith, can, I, can yeah. I just stop you there? Because there's one thing I missed out there. The words don't always come from me. That's what I was going to ask. Do they, yeah, do the they words, come from yeah. the players? Yeah. So we sit down, say, for example, say you've got your linebacker room and you say, right, guys, this is what we're going to be known for this year. We are going to be the most detailed, physical, aggressive, technically and tactically proficient group on the planet. These are the key things that are going to make this up. Okay, within these, we have these traits, technical traits. What are we going to call them? What does it mean to us? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I've, I've been involved in, we'd have ceremonies to name them. 
We'd actually have a ceremony, or we would create a drill that it had no name. So we'd say, right, we're going to have to give this drill a name. What are we going to call it? And it would become a really big thing, like it would be a, be a drill naming ceremony to, to name it. But the the link that it bought and the buy-in was, okay, we're going to go to the, say we're going to go to the blitz drill or the hammer drill or the, the, the connection drill, or it, or it could even be named after, say, a player that came at us with a ball and we managed to create a phenomenal tackle on him stop him on the yardage and knock him back. Say the name was caught. Say the player was Smith, for example. It becomes a Smith drill. So all of a sudden, everybody remembers yeah. that was, remember yeah. the Smith tackle, remember that tackle, remember the tackle that Keith did on that player. It's a Smith drill. Right, let's do the Smith drill. And eventually you build up drill banks of what you're, what's going to be coming at you at the weekend. And I'm talking football here. So... There might be three or four running backs, or there could be certain players that move in a similar way. So the player that we're up against this weekend actually runs and moves very similar to the player we played against six weeks ago. Let's just bring out the, the Davis drill for this week. So it's just a complete... Everything has meaning. There Must be a why to everything we do. Players, if you ever think that we're just doing a drill for the sake of it, it's indie period. We've got nine or ten minutes to kill. Let's just get through this before we get to the scheme. If we ever, ever do that, please tell me and I'm, I'm, I'm walking out of the building. You know? So it's got everything we do must have meaning. So a couple things that are important here that, that I want to emphasize. And I remember on a, on a bigger scale, and just talking about building a culture, talking to Brian Kite, to BK about this whole idea. Yep. A big mistake that coaches make or even business leaders make is instead of the, the guy who's at the top saying, okay, this is how this program is built. Here's the things that we need to do. They make it democratic and everybody, everybody votes on those things. But you're talking about something distinctly different here. You, yeah. you as the coach have said, here's the five things that are so important we need to do. But you brought it to your players and say, guys, what makes this most relatable to you? What is yeah, what is yeah. going to help you remember this when you know the the game's on the line? What's the one word that I can communicate or that the players can communicate because yeah. they need to own the language? Now, w when you're looking at that, because you've talked about how you've done it differently, you know, you know that what you do in South Africa is going to be different than what you do in France. Totally, yeah. Totally. Every and, every single club or country, Keith, yes. I never use the same thing. I might I might maybe use the same. In the background could be the same philosophy, but it will be nowhere near the same, never the same words, never, it just doesn't, it doesn't relate, so you can't do it. That's now, where the work is. Now, do you recommend that, you know, we, we've got a lot of coaches, of course, who change jobs, but also, you know, over time, kind of things change, even if we're at the same job, change within the, the players we're serving. Yep. So I would imagine... If you go to a new job, this is a good process to evaluate, you know, what those words are going to mean and what they mean to those kids. But also, how how do you evaluate maybe when you need to evolve some of those because you've been at the same place 15 years and the, the kids are changing or cultures change or whatever it might be? Yeah, I think first and foremost, the biggest, and this is a huge thing, and I think it only comes through through time and experience and having a, a, a massive confidence 
in what you know and what you've been through, you know? Because when you're a young coach, you might walk about with a chest out. But to be honest, if you're if you've been really honest with yourself, sitting 10, 15, 20 years later, you thought you knew it all then. You don't, right? You still don't know it all now. You're learning every day. So, you know, you, you've got to be careful there. But the key thing I always say to coaches is, you know what, coaches? We don't play anymore, right? We don't play anymore. We actually think we know what it's all about, but we don't play the game anymore. We watch it. We wish we could still play. We watch hours of films stuck in offices like this with screens on the wall and analysis everywhere, but we don't play anymore. So the player has to let... It's the one thing that I can't... I've got no control over. The feeling of the game as a player I don't have. I'm a coach. So I have the feeling of the player as a coach. That That's, that's a massive thing. So you have to trust your players, and that only takes time. The, the next thing is, and you said it, Keith, that when you go from building to building, facility to facility, you move from club to club. It happens now in professional coaching. That's life. There are huge, huge differences wherever you go. Different city, different school, different college, different players. The players, I always look at linebackers because I've always had a, I've always enjoyed coaching linebackers and I was involved with a linebacker group when I was at Miami. I just like the linebacker group. It just suits me very similar to players that I coach in rugby union as well. Same sort of body type, same type of mentality. But if you go from one linebacker group to another, you've got another eight, ten people in there who are completely different to the room you've just left. So I come back to what I'm saying again. You have to get to know the people within your room and you've got to do it quickly. And there's numbers of ways you can do that. And, you know, there's been a lot written and a lot sharper people than me, especially psychologists and whatever, have talked about it. But you sometimes can't use the same things every single place you go. It's just, I don't even think it's healthy because as a coach, you'll be found out, you know. Oh, yeah, that's Richie Gray. He'll do this with that group. I don't want people ever to know that. I always want people to think, Richie Gray, innovative. I don't know what he's going to do with that group this year, but I guarantee it won't be the same as he did last year, you know? So you've got to keep innovating, and that, that takes time. And you've got, to, you've got to keep thinking about how can we move the game forward? How can I be different? How can I get an edge on you? Because that's where our player mentality comes in. I want to beat you as a coach. I want to out my group. I want to out-coach your group, you know? So that's where the buzz comes. And I want to make players better. That's the biggest thing for me. I just want to make players better. If I can make that player better, then I'll be sitting at home late on a game night where, you know, happy. I'll be a happy man. But I think one system won't fit all when it comes to this. You've got to know your players. You've got to keep innovating. You actually want to lead the game, Keith. You want people to say... Have a look and see what they're doing there. Richie Gray's down there. You want to see what they're doing. They're doing something different. You know, that is that not the aim? That's what you want. You don't want to be doing the same and following, because if you follow, you're never going to lead. So you've got to try and lead, and you won't always do it, but I always think there's a possibility that the harder you work, there's more things come to you, you know? What's the great saying? The harder you work, the luckier you get. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, I, I mean, that's a great discussion there. And I want to stay on kind of this, this whole drill theme as we get into this. So we've talked about the million drills we can do, but the, the other thing I've seen is, is the implements and the equipment we use in the drills. And I know you've paid a, a ton of attention to this as you've developed your own line of products that, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, some of the new ones too, that you showed me this, this last January at AFCA. I mean, just was like, wow, I uh, no, I can't believe no one's thought of that before, but you know, <laughs> we, we get into, again, it's one of those things, the what are you trying to teach? And does this piece of equipment actually reinforce that? I could, I could think of an example. I mean, there's places I would be where I started to hate the sleds we had because the pads were the wrong shape. And, you know, yeah. we would try to get creative. I know one of, <clears throat> one of our line coaches found the best thing to do was actually put them on upside down, you know, in the one yep. place. And it took a few weeks for the equipment manager to realize, you know, what he was doing. He, he thought the guy was crazy, but then, you know, he explained it to him. So then finally, you know, when we go out for practice, that would be set up the right way. But, you know, I've seen it time and time again. We go out and we spend a lot of money on equipment. That maybe doesn't serve our players best in teaching those, the the fundamentals of skills we want because it forces them into positions with maybe their hands or their feet or or whatever yep. you're trying to do their posture that doesn't exactly relate to the performance we need on game day. I think you know obviously you're speaking to me here and you know ten twelve years ago I was coaching players it was full on it was live there was a lot of injuries. In my sport, there were a lot of lacerations, stitches, ligaments, you name it. And it was kind of, it was like a kind of badge of honour, really. You know, at the end of the session, you know, how tough was it, coach? Yeah, it was really tough. How many players got smashed up? Yeah, four guys got smashed up. Ah, you know, that's great, you know. But it soon dawned on me that to win games, you've got to have all your best players fit and healthy. And also, we have a duty of care to our player to keep them healthy. You know, the one thing I always say as a coach is I want to meet my players in 25 years' time when he's kicking a ball about with his son or daughter and he's standing up straight and he's not limping and using a stick. Or, you know, that that's a massive challenge for the coach. That's how I will be judged in years to come. And I want coaches and players to turn around to me and say, there's Coach Gray, I tell you what, that guy, you know, was ABC, but... He also always had my health at the very top of the list, and and we must we must have that. So I decided <laughs> I don't know I don't know why I did it because it just a bit just a bit destroyed me. But I thought I'm going to create you know a, a, a training aid, and I, I created one. It's now gone globally. It's a sled for body position in rugby union. But pretty much after that, just. The next thing came, and the next thing came, and the next thing came. I've got about 40 products now. So in rugby union, pretty much worldwide, there'll be one of my products on a field pretty much everywhere, and coaches will be using them to make their players better, which is great. And it's a, I love that, and I love thinking about that, that there's a, a player in Fiji, there's one in New Zealand, one in South Africa, and one in, the, in Scotland who is using the same piece of equipment. So that was great. And then when I came across to Miami in 2016, obviously I had that mindset of equipment and I just saw what was out there. And especially in the tackle area, I just didn't think there was equipment that could bring around the right training effect. You couldn't grip a lot of the bags, very heavy bottomed, so they just didn't move properly. There was no density in them. The foam was too light. 
So one thing led to another, and I started creating equipment. And now, 16, what's that, four years later, I've, I've just literally signed a, a contract with Riddell, which is great. They are going to put all my equipment into football, all my tackle equipment, everything to do with collision. And it's a great tie-in. And I think the great thing is, too, you know, Riddell are looking a lot at the head technology, the insight technology in their helmets. There's a huge amount of data that you can take from those findings that are going to help you, one, develop drills, and they're also going to develop training needs. And that's exactly what we've been doing. It's, you know, where are the biggest impacts? Where about on the head are the biggest impacts when we are training in drill-like? So there's a huge amount of work to be done there. And, you know, I've got now the way about 20-odd-plus products out in the market. Just came about, pretty much launched at the AFCA this year. But it's been a kind of underground thing because my equipment has been filtering into the country over the last three or four years. And I always laugh on social media when I see one of my bags being used or the, the one with the grip points. And we've just created new ones for grappling as well, which, to be honest, really work, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I don't want to develop bits of kit. I've always said this. There must be a why to, to the piece of equipment in front of you. It's not just something that makes you feel good and you can run 10 metres at it. Just about every piece of my equipment, if you don't use it properly, the equipment will win. Yeah. So great to coach on. And coaches can watch their players work on them. The key is the player can actually go and work on their own as well. Because if you don't do it properly, then they just know that it, the piece of equipment will, will beat them. So, no, nah, it's been great. And it's been a great tie-in. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to developing it over the next you know, three, five, ten years. I just think it's one area of the sport, not just in football, but across most collision sports where we really need to move the, the boundary and get the equipment that we're working on far more specific, far better, weighted properly, the correct height, and make sure that it makes a difference when players are working on it. Yeah, and it's, it's something, you know, as we're looking for that equipment, I think we need to be comfortable to step out of, of you know, we go into these places and, and that equipment's there and the head coach is like, wow, I've spent all this money. You need to use this equipment. So you have to find maybe some different ways to use it. I've been creative with that over time, but I realize that sometimes the, the you know, you, you have to be able to, to set it aside and maybe look at something different. So yep. I know our, our good friend, of both of ours, and I'm surprised neither of us have, have had a call yet while we've been on this conversation, but <laughs> but Vince Digitano does exactly that. I mean, that guy, because he's looking at what he's trying to teach drill, I mean, he'll be in the hardware store <laughs> or the dollar store looking for something to to help create that, whether it's, you know, something like pool noodles, et cetera. And I realized this, yep. you know, so we were at the Browns facility shooting some stuff, this past summer with some youth football players trying to teach them our blocking progression. And, you know, Andy was trying to get these kids ready to do this stuff on camera. And, you know, the, the pad he had just wasn't working for the, these yeah. guys. It was the wrong size. It didn't have the right fit. And, you know, so it's a couple of weeks later, I'm training a kid here locally. He's a nine-year-old whose parents wanted him to learn the game. And so we're we're working on the exact same stuff. And before I went out there, it was the same thing. I'm going through my garage like, what? can I use today to help this kid learn this technique? And I ended up with like a, a short PVC pipe and kind of a half deflated volleyball. And yeah, what yeah. we struggled with for over an hour to try to get these kids to learn on a, on a traditional shield, I had this kid doing 
properly and getting in the proper position and activating his hips and, and getting his hands where they needed to be on the punch within five minutes because I used the, used the right implement. Now, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying everybody should just always be out and, you know, looking at the dollar store for things, but I think you just no. need to think, what is it, what is it we need to do in yeah. this particular drill and what equipment is going to help me to do that? Keith, I think you're 100% right. And, you know, I'm, I class myself as incredibly lucky and in some ways you've kind of fallen into this, but I was always a coach. So I'm a physical education background straight into professional rugby when it went pro in 95. So I was in a year before then. So I've always been coaching at all levels, academies, youngsters right the way through. I'm now coaching obviously at the very top end of the game. So I've always coached. And then secondly, I've written the methodology because the only way I can coach better is I've got to keep rewriting the methodology and making sure that I'm I'm keeping up to date and I'm pushing the game forward. I'm coming up with new ideas. And then the third bit just fell into equipment because you're coaching it. You're writing the methodology. The last thing really you've got to have is you've got to have the equipment to coach it on. So I think I'll be one of the few coaches in the world, if I can't, I can't think of many, that are actually doing all three. But it just gives you a, a great insight because you can work and speak to players and you can work your way through it. And there's now a process of how you go about developing equipment. You know, the intellectual property is incredibly important, the design rights, then the design of the equipment, the weight of it, the testing of it, going back to the drawing board, starting again. So you've got to know why to use it. And that's the biggest challenge is I hate seeing my equipment being used just as well. It looks good. I'll use this exactly the same way as I use the old piece of equipment. That's not what they're there for. So you've got to know how to use them and use them properly. And that's obviously ongoing at the moment. We're putting out a lot of stuff, DVDs and online's great now. You can pretty much get your message out there and in one hour, half the world can see it. So there's a lot of work going to be done digitally and just get the right messages out there and, and get, you know, just make players better and, and make coaches better and give them tools to make it easier for them because it's sometimes not easy, you know. So you've got to keep a certain age groups. You've got to keep the, the concentration level there and you've got to mix up the way that you train in your sessions. So, no, it's it's been great and it's not going to stop. I'm, I've got a number of other ideas and every time I visit the US, I usually come back with a different idea or a coach will phone me or, you know, <laughs> I've had a, I got a, there's a great story he talked about uh, Vinny. Coach Don Brown up yeah, in Michigan yeah. got in touch got in touch with Vinny and then Vinny got in touch with myself and said, Listen, does this coach want you to develop him something? So I'd actually been developing something just about identical for, for chop tackles, we call them in rugby, which is like tackles in round about your ankles and that kind of knee area. Uh, so I changed it a little bit and we sent one to Michigan and uh, Coach Brown loved it. So he's got about four or five of them there now, the hammers. Yeah. And uh and they're now obviously available all over the US through through Riddell. So, no, it's, there's great stories, and it's a small world, Keith. It's a small world. Well, Richie, I, I love the innovation. You know, since I've met you, constantly evolving. You know, a guy who has you know twenty some pieces of equipment out there in equipment line could could say, "Ah, oh, we're we're good for a while." But you're always looking at this, and I think the the thing you mentioned there is the most important. You really understand the why and the methodology. Right, yeah. that you are going through the process of not just, 
you know, what is this drill going to be? But then going back and, and writing down the why behind it, writing down the yeah. methodology. And I know as coaches, uh, we're all not writers, but I, I could say that process of, of going through and writing down helps solidify yeah. why, what you're doing there. I mean, for me, it, you know, I, I started writing these articles for American Football Monthly, AFCA, USA Football, and yep. for you know, co- course of a few years, wrote a few hundred of those. But it helped me clarify my thinking so much. That process of it, it makes it your own, right? Just like we talked about the players and the language they need. As a coach, you still need to make that drill or that play or whatever you're doing. You have to make it your own, and in the process of writing kind of helps you own that. Yeah, definitely. Well, my father was a great coach. You know, he coached for many, many years and coached at a high level, you know, in rugby union. So I've always kind of been brought up in this world of coaching. You know, you would sit and listen to him speak to his players on the old telephone and he would speak to other coaches and you would sit and he would get a VHS or a beta max videotape and he would have them sent from all over the world. They'd be sitting watching these games and you'd be sitting at his feet and they'd be pointing things out. But I always remember he said one thing to me. He says, coaching's like riding a horse. He said, you can can always loosen the reins, he said, but never, ever let them go, you know? And he's talking about you can loosen the reins, you can give your players a, a huge amount of buy-in, but at the end of the day, you're still the coach and you've got to hold the reins. And you can loosen them off as much as you want, but never ever let them go, you know. And uh, I think it's the same. It's the same with with anything that we do. I think the whole coach-player process has become far, far more connected than it ever ever was. It was, and I came through the old style A sergeant major. You <laughs> yeah. know, I've I've been there. Right? I've done that. I was, I'm, you know, control, yeah, yeah, that's it. Style A, we used to call it. Like that was it. Style A. You will do this. You will do that. And there was. There was hardly any buy-in from the players at all. But but we're in a professional world now and things change and things will continue to evolve. But the key is, and I go back to what you say, sometimes, and listen, I'm, I'm only 49 years old. I consider myself a young coach. I've got many, many years to go yet. But experience, you, you cannot have any substitute for experience. And why do I make training aids the way they are? Well, it's because I've got 25 years of experience of coaching that actual movement and how I want to see it and I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. So you just you can't you can't beat that, you know? And you can write and you can read and you can watch as much film as possible. That's just all part of your education, you know. And I sit in an office here, it's in the basement of my house. It's got coaching manuals, it's got books from, from years ago. Because we're in lockdown at the moment, I looked out all my old VHS video coaching <laughs> tapes of old coaches that sadly some of them aren't even alive now and just trawled through little things that they say, a word they might come up with, a, a phrase that they said. And then you think, you know what, sport and coaching's like a wheel. You think you've come up with a new idea, but pretty much it's somebody else will have thought about it somewhere down the line, you know. Yep. They might have never brought it to the front, but we're always thinking about the game the whole time. And I, I just love the world of collision. I just think it's, it's a phenomenal sport to be involved in, whether it be football, rugby, rugby league, hockey, you know, you name it. It's just, it's the sport of collision. You just want to make players better. You want to remain in the game and you just want to be known as an innovator. You know, you're only here once as a coach, 
So you want to you want to be known as an innovator, and uh, you want to make the game better. We've somebody once said to me, "You're only a custodian of the game for a certain period of time, and then your time's over." So when you're in there, make a difference. Absolutely. Well, coach. Great messages today, great ideas. I'm excited to share this with our listeners, and I'm probably, I'll, I'm going to be like Vinny and start bothering you more. All of you here. I, got, I got your Skype now, so it's easy. And I, and I started to understand your schedule difference yes. between the well, five hours. What, my, ske- my schedule at the moment has not got a lot on the wall, as you can see behind me, because everything's been cancelled. So literally, if you want to speak next week, Keith, I'm quite happy to speak to you. Well, well, as always, Coach, thank you for taking the time. Before we go, I do want you to share both your information, where coaches connect with you on Twitter, and a little bit about where they can see your equipment line. Yeah, listen, thanks, guys. So first and foremost, uh, Twitter. Now, as as most of the USA football guys know, I'm not the world's greatest on social media, but you can look, you can get in contact with me on Twitter. My link is at Richie Gray GSI, so it's just uh, R, capital R, Richie, capital G, Gray, and then GSI. So Richie Gray, GSI on Twitter. And then after that, Riddell is obviously where you can go for the equipment now. They are the exclusive suppliers across the US, Canada, South America. So they've been great to deal with as well. A, a great a great US football company, you know, with a phenomenal back history and story. And that's pretty much the biggest reason why I was delighted that, you know, GSI Performance, my company, could partner with them because, you know, when you look back and see what they've done through helmet technology and, and everything else they've been involved in, and they're really keen to keep pushing the game forward. So a great partnership there and looking forward to many years of making the game, making players perform better. That's the number one. I sometimes come away for health and safety now. I think if we can make players perform better, that will have a direct knock-on to health and safety. So... Performance is everything. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Keith. Cheers, mate. Good lad. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out. All of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.